Is Mike Pence running for president in 2024, potentially running against Donald Trump in the Republican primaries? We'll explore this and more in today's episode of Analysis Behind the News, where we provide the perspective and the plan to restore American liberty and independence. Over the weekend, after months of relative silence, former Vice President Mike Pence's name appeared in multiple news stories. The first one I came across was on Saturday from Newsweek, titled, Pence vows to back GOP governors facing Trump-approved challengers. The article reads in part, Former Vice President Mike Pence will reportedly back incumbent GOP governors over challengers endorsed by Donald Trump, potentially furthering the rift between himself and the ex-commander-in-chief. Pence told a handful of these governors of his support during a private meeting, according to a Wall Street Journal uh, report published on Saturday. I want to be clear, Pence reportedly said, I'm going to be supporting incumbent Republican governors. Trump, however, according to the article, has endorsed GOP primary challengers against half of the Republican governors seeking re-election in 2022. Then on Monday, The Hill published an article titled, Pence to Give Speech on Abortion Amid Supreme Court Fight. The article reads in part, Former Vice President Mike Pence will deliver a speech on the debate surrounding abortion later this month ahead of oral arguments before the Supreme Court on Mississippi's abortion law. Pence will deliver remarks at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. on November 30th, the day before the High Court will begin to hear arguments in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, which deals with the law that bans the procedure after 15 weeks. The article then goes on to portray Pence as a champion in the pro-life movement, touting his long political career against abortion and how in 2017, he became the first vice president to address the annual March for Life in Washington, D.C. Are Pence and the media planting the seeds for a presidential run in 2024? Further fueling the fire about a potential presidential run, Fox News on Sunday published an article titled, 2024, Watch Pence Heading Back to the First Presidential Primary State. According to the article, Pence will deliver the keynote speech at a fundraiser for the New Hampshire Senate Republicans on December 8. The article also noted that the former vice president earlier this month made his second visit this year to Iowa, the state whose caucus for half a century have kicked off the presidential nominating calendar. Pence also stopped this spring in South Carolina, which votes third in the GOP primary and caucus calendar, and earlier this month in Nevada, which holds the fourth contest. While Pence has yet to announce any formal run for the White House in 2024, it seems safe to assume that he's considering it. So what does this mean for conservatives? Should Trump supporters and constitutionals be happy or concerned? Well, back on June 3, 2021, Pence keynoted the Hillsborough County Republican Party's Lincoln-Reagan Day dinner in New Hampshire. Pence boasted his apparently conservative credentials, praising the accomplishments of the Trump administration. However, recalling the events that transpired at the U.S. Capitol building on January 6, Pence said the following. You know, we've all been through a lot over the past year. The global pandemic, civil unrest, a divisive election, and tragedy at our nation's capital. As I said that day, 
January 6th was a dark day in the history of the United States Capitol. But thanks to the swift action of the Capitol Police and federal law enforcement, violence was quelled. The Capitol was secured. And that same day, we reconvened the Congress and did our duty under the Constitution and the laws of the United States. You know, President Trump and I have spoken many times since we left office. And I don't know if we'll ever see eye to eye on that day. While Pence discussed the need for election integrity and defending state-based election reforms such as voter ID, he did not state or suggest that there was widespread election fraud on Election Day 2020, nor did he call upon state legislatures to conduct full election audits to verify the results of the election. But despite his various self-described conservative accolades, can he or other Republicans be trusted to uphold the Constitution if elected to office? In the case of Pence, we don't have to go on just his speeches and what he says. We can also look at his voting record to see if his actions match his rhetoric. Before being elected vice president in 2016 and before serving as the governor of Indiana from 2013 to 2017, Pence served as a member of the U.S. House of Representatives from 2001 to 2013. During his 12 years in the House of Representatives, Pence garnered a mediocre lifetime score of just 62% in the Freedom Index. For those of you not familiar with the Freedom Index, it is a voting record that grades how members of Congress voted based on the U.S. Constitution. The more a U.S. representative or senator votes faithfully in adherence to the Constitution, the higher his or her score. And when they don't, their score gets lower. So where did Pence miss the mark and fall short? Just looking at his last year in the House of Representatives, here are just a few highlights, or should I say blemishes, that caused him to have a lower score. On September 13, 2012, Pence voted for House Joint Resolution 117, the Continuing Appropriations Resolution Spending Bill to fund the federal government from October 1, 2012 through March 27, 2013. The Freedom Index description for this vote reads in part, quote, This would amount to an annualized rate of $1.047 trillion in discretionary spending for regular appropriations and would include a 0.6% increase in funding for most federal programs and agencies. This continuing resolution would also provide nearly $100 billion in war funding and $6.4 billion in advanced disaster relief funds. We have assigned pluses to the nays because passage of this mammoth continuing resolution provided a way for Congress to perpetuate its fiscally irresponsible, unconstitutional spending habits with a minimum of accountability to its constituents. Pence may call himself a fiscal conservative, but his voting record shows otherwise. And this is just one of various reckless, bloated spending bills that Pence voted for that kept big government and numerous unconstitutional programs and policies afloat. On June 17, 2012, Pence voted for the Foreign Relations Authorization Act for fiscal year 2013, H.R. 6018, which according to the Freedom Index description, authorized $9 billion for the State Department's diplomatic and consular programs, 
$1.6 billion for dues to international organizations, about $0.6 billion for UN regular budget dues, and about $1 billion in contributions to 43 other UN system, regional, and non-UN organizations, and $1.8 billion for contributions for UN peacekeeping activities. Among other things that Pence voted for included reauthorization of the Export-Import Bank, which provides taxpayer money in the form of forgivable loans and guarantees to foreign countries like China and Russia to buy U.S. products such as Boeing aircrafts and satellites. Pence also voted in favor of the United States-Korea Free Trade Agreement Implementation Act, which establishes a governing supranational free trade commission between the U.S. and South Korea, similar to NAFTA and the USMCA. He also voted in favor of the Patriot Act and numerous bills to extend it. For example, on May 26, 2011, Pence voted for S-990, a bill that extended for four years the following three provisions of the Patriot Act that were set to expire. One, the roving wiretap provision that allows the federal government to wiretap any number of suspects' telephone or internet connections without specifying what they will find or how many connections will be tapped. Two, the financial records provision that allows the feds to seize any tangible thing that has relevance to an investigation. And three, the lone wolf provision that allows spying on non-U.S. citizens without a warrant. As the Freedom Index noted at the time, these provisions violate the Fourth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, which requires that no warrants be issued but upon probable cause, a much higher standard than relevance, and that warrants must contain language particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. And on February 18, 2011, Pence voted against an amendment to a continuing appropriations bill. The amendment would have prohibited any funding in the bill from being used to pay for any dues to the United Nations. By voting against this specific amendment, Pence favored to keep funding the United Nations. Now compare Pence's 62% lifetime Freedom Index score for 2001 to 2013 with that of Congressman Ron Paul, who likewise served in the House of Representatives at the same time as Pence. Congressman Ron Paul voted the opposite way on all of the aforementioned votes. And overall, Ron Paul's average Freedom Index for the same exact time as Pence's tenure in the House, 2001, 2013, was an impressive 98.5. In fact, Ron Paul had a perfect 100% score consecutively for the 108th through 112th Congresses, covering the years of 2003 to 2012. So what gives with Pence's lackluster score? Every two years, American voters go to the polls to cast their vote for Congress, and every four years for the presidency. But how come, regardless of who wins, the policies and agendas of previous administrations, even those of the other party, often stay in place? And no matter how many times Republicans promise smaller government and less spending, the size and spending of the federal government continues to grow larger and larger. While the Democratic Party has been hijacked by outright Marxists and communists through the labor unions, the Republican Party has also been hijacked by so-called neoconservatives, or neocons. What are neocons, you might ask? 
Neocons are actually liberals who endorsed or praised the unconstitutional big government welfare programs of FDR's New Deal and LBJ's Great Society at Home and the undeclared perpetual no-win wars like the Vietnam War abroad. In matters of foreign policy, they are Wilsonian internationalists. They favor a strong United Nations and believe that the United States has a moral responsibility to use its military power to spread quote-unquote democracy overseas. Neocons also believe in government-managed free trade schemes such as GATT, the WTO, NAFTA, TPP, USMCA, and an Atlantic Union with the US and, and EU, all of which create regional regulatory bodies and governance on the road toward one world government or a new world order, as men like Kissinger and the late President George H.W. Bush called it. These pro-Vietnam War LBJ liberals left the Democratic Party shortly after the fiasco in Vietnam, President Lyndon Johnson's decision not to seek re-election, Vice President Hubert Humphrey's humiliating defeat to Richard Nixon in the 1968 presidential election, and the rise of the progressive Marxist New Left in the 1970s that took over the Democratic Party. After leaving the Democratic Party, the disenfranchised LBJ liberals joined the Republican Party, merging with the Eastern Establishment liberal wing of the GOP, which included Governor Nelson Rockefeller of New York and Henry Kissinger. Together, the LBJ liberals and Rockefeller Republicans became the so-called New Conservatives or Neoconservatives. In reality, there was nothing conservative about them, minus their stated positions on social issues like abortion and favoring tax cuts. Today's neoconservatives are nothing more than a continuation of yesterday's guns and butter liberals. The apex of neoconservatism came to fruition during the George W. Bush administration, defining his presidency and foreign policy especially from 2001 to 2009. And Pence was a firm supporter of President George W. Bush's preemptive war in Iraq and nation-building efforts in both Iraq and Afghanistan. Rather than being a constitutionalist like Ron Paul, in the case of Mike Pence, we see the record of just another neoconservative globalist. Remember, when it comes to politicians, actions most definitely speak louder than words. For more about Mike Pence, we invite you to read the article, Trump VP Pence, Globalist Neocon or Solid Conservative? And for more information about neoconservatives, watch our videos, Who Are the Neoconservatives? and Neoconservatives, Changing American Politics. Both of these videos provide an in-depth look at neoconservatives, what they believe, and how they are altering our nation's politics, advancing globalism. We will not save America or restore American liberty and independence by electing more of the same deep state politicians. The only way that we take back our country and keep it great is by educating the electorate about the Constitution and the agendas of those undermining it. To be part of the solution to restore America and rekindle the spirit of liberty as envisioned by our nation's founders and enshrined in the Constitution, we invite you to visit jbs.org and consider membership in the John Birch Society. Until next week, stay free, God bless, and have a happy Thanksgiving.